almond trees have blossoms, Mrs Trevelyan? I asked. Yes, they have lovely pink blossoms. I should imagine your almond tree is a gorgeous sight in the spring. Yes, it is. I remember it now. I couldn't remember it at all till you told me the colour. That's interesting, Alice smiled. Yes, Mrs Trevelyan replied. Memory can often be triggered by the senses. The sense of smell often brings back a memory more strongly than the other senses. But Victor obviously thinks in colours. Do you dream in colour, Victor? Yes, Mrs Trevelyan, always. I used to have a dream where a white lady came to visit me. She visited me every night. But my father said that people had to go to mental hospitals if they kept having dreams like that. So now she doesn't come to see me much anymore. I didn't know you could dream in black and white like the television. I noticed a change of expression in Mrs Trevelyan when I mentioned mental hospitals. It was brief and her expression returned to a smile again quite quickly, so I wasn't too worried by it. It's not so much that people dream in black and white, Victor. It's more that they don't really remember colour when they remember their dreams. But, you know, dreams are quite safe, so I don't think you need to worry. I don't think there's any likelihood of your going to a mental hospital. That only happens to people when terrible things happen to them. It's actually too complicated to think about at your age. So maybe it's better to forget the idea. Thank you, Mrs Trevelyan. I won't think about it any more then. This was amazing to me. I was having an actual conversation with an adult. This was unprecedented, apart from my mother. My mother would talk with me, but there was always the sense in which she was disobeying the law of the land. I knew the law quite well, not because it had been explained to me, but because it was a self-existent fact, learnt from bitter experience. The law stated that a child was forbidden to express any idea to an adult with the expectation that the adult would take it seriously in terms of giving a reply. If a reply was given, it was only to be in such terms as don't talk nonsense, or at best, never mind. Spending time in the Trevelyans' home was idyllic, and it was not long before Alice and I decided to get married. At some suitable future juncture when adulthood allowed. I was most enormously pleased. I'd got that worked out to my entire satisfaction. What could be better? What pleasure could come anywhere remotely close? I'd heard of luck, but I never thought it would come my way. Luck seemed to be what happened to other people. And now here I was with all the luck the world could possibly afford. On special days like Halloween and bonfire night, and other nights I cannot recollect. 
I was able to stay over with the Trevelyans. They had really nice beds there, apart from the sheets and blankets. I preferred the eiderdowns we had at home, at least when they'd aged a little. My mother was in the habit of starching the eiderdown covers and sheets, and it took them a while to wear in. My favourite phase came after a week, when they were comfortable for a while, until the next wash and starch. I told Alice about the eiderdown idea, and she told her parents about them. That is what they have all over Europe, said Mr Trevelyan. I think they're a good idea, much better than sheets and blankets, and if I ever get the chance, I think we should make a change over. I slept under a continental quilt some years back when I was in Switzerland, and I found them really far superior, so I've had it in mind since that time to obtain them for our own household. Then an amazing thing happened. Within a short time, the Trevelyans had changed over to eiderdowns, or continental quilts as they called them. It seemed almost shocking that I should have caused this to happen. Children were not supposed to do things like that. It made me a little nervous at first, because it seemed entirely against the natural order that I could have precipitated such a turn of events. I apologised to Alice for having mentioned it and hoped that her parents would not think that I had complained about their sheets. Nonsense, said Alice. My parents always like new ideas and what's wrong with you being able to tell them about a better idea? Oh, and anyway, I like them far better than horrid sheets and blankets that get into stupid knots at night. It's really bad when you have to get out of bed and arrange them all again when it's cold. That's really horrible. But because of your good idea, it will never happen to me again. Clarence is really happy about that, and so is Beverly. I think that it would have made my father angry. When I talk about my ideas at home, it makes him think that I will be a tramp when I grow up. That's also nonsense, Alice replied, with a frown that was designed for my father rather than me. But the sight of Alice frowning was disturbing and my eyes moistened. Alice detected my discomfiture and said, I am not making my frowning face at you, Victor. My frowning face is for your father, but he can't see it yet. When I'm older, he will see my frowning face and I will make him stand in the garden in the rain for hours and hours. That will teach him not to be a bully. That made me smile and I asked, what is a tramp, Alice? Do you know? I think it's someone who doesn't have a house and has to sleep in hedges and things. But that will never happen to you because you're clever and you love animals. Sometimes, I replied rather sadly, I wouldn't mind sleeping in hedges rather than being at home. It's horrible when my father gets angry. He gets angry with my mother too, and I hate that even more than when he's angry with me. 
because my mother is kind and nice and takes the blame if I break something. I like your mother, for your father is obviously a very bad pig. I was stunned by that. Could my father be called a very bad pig without the police suddenly arriving and clapping the slanderer in irons? I thought the fabric of reality would be rent or something. I did agree with Alice about my father, but remembered that he could also do good things. He went out to work every day so that we could eat, and he worked every evening too. He took on private estimating work in order to supplement his income. My mother had told me that, and she'd told me that his work was very hard indeed. That's what made him impatient and angry. I told Alice about that, and it made her quiet for a moment or two. I should ask my father about that. He always knows about that kind of thing, and if it can be explained, he will explain it to me. Will you tell me what he says? Yes, and it will make you feel better. I don't want you to be sad ever again. Let's do something jolly now and be happy as we should be. Alice was remarkable. She seemed to be the fount of all wisdom. And if anything lay outside her comprehension, she would simply ask her parents. If it could be explained to a child, they'd explain it. And even if something was difficult to explain, they'd try. This resulted in Alice being some kind of walking encyclopedia, as far as my perception could conceive of her. The thing that amazed me the most was that Alice's parents were atheists. This meant that they didn't believe in God, and that was both frightening and exhilarating. I decided, within days of being made privy to this revelation, that I was also an atheist. The fact that God was an idea that people had invented made complete sense to me. If God was supposed to be good, and if he had created the world, why would it contain so much pain? If there really was a God, he could have stopped the world wars and prevented the Nazis doing extremely terrible things to the Jews. My German grandmother had told me how frightening the Nazis were and how they murdered millions of innocent people. If there really was a God, why did he create people and animals only to have them die and sometimes in great pain? Why was God always smiting people for no good reason other than they did things that didn't please him? When people were inventive and wanted to explore, he'd smite them for that too. The people who built the Tower of Babel seemed to want to know what was out there in space, and so God destroyed their tower. He made them all speak different languages so they couldn't start building another tower. Wasn't life often difficult enough without hundreds of different languages? I'd heard of spoilt children, and that's how God seemed. 
he'd have a temper tantrum whenever he couldn't get his own way. And we were all supposed to worship him for that. Not me. I agreed with everything that Alice said and wondered why I, I had never questioned the existence of God before. This was something I would have to keep secret from my father and probably even from my mother. I'd become a secret atheist. I wished that I had never tried to force the white lady from my mind as I'd rather believe in the white lady than a god who wasn't really there. Unlike God, the white lady really existed in my experience. God had never visited me and neither had he created the world. The world had created itself and God was just an invention of the normal people. It was my father who was insane for believing in an invisible God who was supposed to have made everything. And he thought I was insane for seeing the white lady. What sense did that make? The unfairness of this rankled with me. But Alice told me that most people believed in God and that was why my father thought it was normal. So. That was the way the world worked. The more people who believed in a thing, the truer it was. That was ridiculous. Alice told me that there was a time when everyone believed the world was flat and that they had big nasty arguments about it until the flat earth idea was finally proved to be stupid. It seemed that people were happy to believe in science unless science said there was no proof of God, and then they'd decide science was wrong. It seemed that adults just made it all up as they went along, but had the cheek to tell children that they had silly ideas. I decided that if I ever had children, I would not tell them insane stories about reality. They'd be free to see whatever they saw Without my telling them, I'd have them locked away for it. That was the last time I prayed, even though I went through the motions to please my mother. I sang Christmas carols with enthusiasm because I loved the melodies and because I could ignore the meaning of the words. I generally preferred the one about the time that good King Wences last looked out. Much to my pleasure, the baby Jesus was absent in that carol, and good King Wences sounded as if he was a person I'd like. He was thoroughly kind and generous, but without having to be pious or sanctimonious about it. You must think I'm really stupid and boring, I suggested to Alice one day. Why should I think that when you're my best friend ever and forever? Well, you know all kinds of things and you're so much cleverer than I am. You play on the piano and all kinds of things like drawing and painting and singing and embroidery as well. But you have a white lady who appears in your room 
and I've never seen anything like that ever in my whole life. I thought about this and had to agree that it was, or had been, a good thing. I explained to Alice that I'd been so frightened of being locked up in a mental hospital that I'd stopped myself seeing the white paint. Then, Alice exclaimed, you must try really hard to see her again because I want to see her too. That seemed really exciting to me and quite astonishing because if Alice believed it was possible, it must be possible. I will try as hard as I can and maybe one day when I stay at your house she'll appear and we'll both see her. Yes, Alice replied at tremendous volume and we both jumped around the garden in a state of advanced jubilation as if we'd made some enormous discovery. But, Alice continued when we'd both calmed down, beside the white lady your drawing and painting are lovelier than mine, and I know because I know about that kind of thing, and my mother said they were very good indeed. So you don't mind when I don't know about things? Of course not, and anyway, you know all the paths in the woods, and there are thousands of them that I could never have found in a million years. And that's how you found me there. And that was the cleverest thing of all. And tomorrow evening we'll start on chapter three, the turquoise deep.